You're listening to the American Window Cleaning Magazine podcast. We have a really cool guest on today. She's actually a contributing writer for AWC and has been for a while. It's uh, Carrie Genther, from, and we also call her the Window Ninja in the article. And uh, so she's going to be on board with us today. Carrie, thanks for uh, being just taking some time and uh, talking with us today. Thanks for inviting me. You know, your uh, writing style and your articles are very uh, well received to our audience uh, in the magazine. Uh, we get a lot of compliments on it. Uh, give me your background a little bit of, um, you are, you've been trained as a writer, I think. And so give us a little background of how you really started writing or, or love that. <laughs> I was wondering if you're going to ask me about this. So um, I'm not a trained writer, but, um, but I've been writing since, like, since I can remember. Um, and I've always been really, really interested in like telling stories. So that's kind of how that started. And, um, I've just always written about my life experience. And so when I started window cleaning, I just started writing about that. It was just sort of a natural progression. Yeah, that's, that's really the cool thing about it. I think your, your perspective when you write is very different than some of the other writers um, you, you are, you're kind of telling a story or there's a background to it and you can feel, you can kind of feel there's some depth there. Cool. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> I feel uh, like there's depth too. <laughs> well, when you sit down to write an article, what, um, I mean, just tell us a little bit, what's going through your mind? How do you, how are you coming up with the, the tale, so to speak? Well, I don't have any employees, so I work by myself. And if you've ever done that, you know that you have hours and hours and hours of time with yourself in your own head. And so that, that's kind of how they start. The stories start while I'm working. Um, I, I love to write about people more than anything. And so my, since I'm mostly residential, um, my clients kind of inspire the stories. And then... I mean, as I'm working, I just kind of piece them together in my head. And then by the time I sit down at a computer, which is rare, um, I hardly ever use a computer unless I'm writing. Um, they just kind of flow out. And, uh, you know, and, and I hope that what I write is received well. <laughs> yeah, well, good on you. It, it, it is. And, and uh, they're, they're always interesting stories. And I think you do a nice job with that. And I, I, I mean, I don't know you all that well, but it, it, I get a sense from your writing that your clients are, you, you have a really good relationship with your clients. It almost is like you're, you're, you're friends with them. They know you, you know them. Yes. And, and how important do you think that is really for maybe other residential window cleaners that, uh, that may be, you know, trying to build their business or whatever? It's everything. It's everything. It's so important. Um, like it's almost like the the personal relationships that you build are just as if not more important than the work that you do you know like they they see me once or twice a year and because that's how we do windows in the midwest um for residential and and yeah like uh, some of especially i wrote that article about my my elders my my oldsters my what did i call them <laughs> yeah. The elderly people that I clean for are my pro probably my favorite clients because they are just so like um, eager to like hang out. You know what I mean? Like half half the joy for them besides the window cleaning is the is the interaction with me and 
um, a lot of times they'll make me coffee or tea and like give me a snack or whatever. And I just sit with them and, you know, and then there's the people, the younger people with families that are busy and, you know, they just give me their garage code, but then they come home at the end of the day and we hang out and, you know, it's just, it's very cool. I think I, I'm not sure that I would have the same experience if I, if I had like commercial work because you, I don't feel like you connect as much with, um, commercial clients, but the residential clients, it's like, I get to see like how they live and, you know, like their dogs and their kids and all that kind of stuff. So I really get into that. Yeah. And I, and I think that, um, you know, when I watch the industry a lot and I see, you know, the workings and things going on and, and you, you hear all the, the talk about, you know, growing your business and growing it fast and all this stuff. There, there's one thing that gets missed in all that, I think, and that is uh, specifically with residential, uh, we are a customer service business and you cannot build relationships like you've got with your clients in six months or one year, or whatever, you build them over time. And, but it also, it, it makes it um, your company almost bulletproof because having that relationship with those people it's going to be very hard for somebody, you know, that come into your marketplace like I want that house. Um, it's going to be they're going to be hard pressed to get that because of the relationship that you have with your clients. Would you agree yeah. with that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a while, and it takes patience, and yeah, it takes years. Now, would you say, Carrie, your window cleaning business? Um, I'll bet you you get a lot of referrals. I don't advertise. I yeah. literally, I, I, at one point, um, I think for the first three years of my business, I sent out reminder cards in the spring and the fall. And then I even stopped doing that because it's so much postage and so much trees wasted and whatever. So, um, I just started getting enough, um, referrals that I didn't have to do that anymore. And so now my clients know that they need to call me. Um, and then, they also know that I'm going to give them a, a little discount for every, you know, signed up person that I clean for that they recommended. Um, <clears throat> so that's, yeah, that's how I advertise now. Yeah. You know, it's uh, cool. I was in Florida one time and I seen a um, carpet cleaning company and you know how everybody will put their website and phone number and everything on their, their uh, um, van or truck. Anyway, what it said on there was it showed it showed the company and showed the website and it said by referral only. So there's almost this stigma, right? That um, well, you can't get me unless somebody refers you to me. But it's kind of cool. I'm I'm an exclusive service, and um, yeah, I don't want to just I don't even have a website. I don't want to be available to just anybody. I want to I want my clients to know um, that they can refer me to their friends because they know me and they know their friends and you know, they know, they already know it's a good match. So that's like reassuring to me as a single woman to like, to know that I'm kind of in their hands and it works out for me. I love it when a business owner is doing exactly the opposite as everybody else that it's so cool. And it's, it's, that's my mentality. If everybody else was going one way, I'm going the other direction because, uh, I don't like to be like everybody else. So that's, uh, that's very cool. Good on you. Hey, you wrote an article uh, in AWC, I think a couple issues back, about uh, client diversity. And uh, I think that was a really uh, well-received article. Uh, the readers really liked it. Um, you live in Minneapolis area, and so um, that area is very diverse in and of itself. Uh, a lot going on with medical and universities and all this stuff, so it's a very diverse area. 
Um, speak a little bit about um, the just the background of that article and, and why you think it important uh, to be in tune with these different uh, diverse backgrounds so that you can appeal to them as a, as a window cleaner. Um, like I said in the article, I've always been drawn to people who are different than me um, because when I was growing up, I moved around a lot and uh, we were always relocating. And um, so I was always the new kid in school. Like I switched schools a lot. And so the kids that I would automatically become friends with were like the outcasts, the kids that were different in some way. And so that's just like a natural progression for me. But um, so before I had my window cleaning business, I was a house cleaner for about five years. And um, so I got to know people who like went to the same mosque or church or whatever. And, you know, in really interconnect a little bit hard. It's, it's like hard, like I said in the article, it's hard for them to trust people. Um, but once they do, you're golden, you know? It's yeah. like they, they pass your name around to everybody. And Minneapolis is surprisingly diverse. I mean, we have, we have one of the largest populations of um, East Africans, um, Southeast Asians, um, tons of people from India and Pakistan. Um, and I've just always been really fascinated with people who are different. So it's just natural for me to want to work for them and work with them. <clears throat> so yeah. that's kind of how that came about. Okay. And, and two, I, I think you hinted at it a little bit in the article as well about, um, you know, sometimes cultures are different. And so you, you have to be in tune with what their culture is uh, so that they do respect you. This is a, maybe a silly one, but I'm just saying it may be in some cultures where when you come in the house, your shoes come off. That's the culture. And so wearing booties or wearing shoes throughout the house or whatever, you may have to adapt a bit to that culture so that you're not offensive, basically. Mm -hmm. yeah. it's, all, it's not just that, but it's like you need for like for Muslims, for example, you need to keep in mind the, the prayer times. Like if you show up in the middle of prayer time, that's awkward. You know what I mean? Like you want to respect their time to, to attend to their spirituality and respect that. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of a different vibe in the household than an average American household, you know? Yeah. And, but I'm used to that with all my travels and stuff. That's, that's, that's interesting to me. And it's like, it's awesome for me to kind of fit into another structure like that. So. Yeah. Of all the article submissions that uh, we get, nobody has ever brought so this this is uh being different again but nobody's ever brought an article title like that forward and i just i thought it was really cool and like i said we we got a lot of compliments on that article so uh again a great job and uh glad uh, glad you did that so you're a window cleaner so we would be hard pressed not to ask a couple of these uh, window cleaning industry questions so what squeegee and tools do you use oh boy okay this is my this is looking really bad right now. I haven't polished it and packed it away for the winter, but I should. So this is my vintage Ettore 1980-something squeegee. Cool. Yeah, it's a little bit stained because I did my final window cleaning job of the year. I used, like, blue window cleaning fluid that you use in your car. Yeah. And I've never worked with that before, and it, so it stained my brass. Yeah. Like a blue color. So I got a... Yeah, but anyway, my handle is like custom wrapped by a guy out in Lake Tahoe. He did this for me with some paracord. So that's Very my cool. 
That's my money maker. And then I've also got. So let me just because we're uh, in video and podcast here, you're dealing with a um, that's a 14 inch at array brass with a swivel handle. No, oh, no swivel. Oh, no swivel. Well, okay. it, it does swivel, but I don't usually. Okay. Swivel. I have another. Um, so I just started working with. Um, uh oh, are you there? Right. I'm on low battery, so I might have to plug in here. Um, I started working with a Mormon swivel head. Okay. Because I started um, just in the past year doing a lot more pole work. And so I've got a swivel head in my arsenal. Um, and then I have a couple of other Ettore squeegees that are cut shorter for like cut ups okay. and French windows. Um, and then I use, I use a short mop instead of a long one. All right. Because it's lighter. And then I've got this thing, which is it hangs on my belt and it holds on my rags. And again, okay. my friend from Lake Tahoe made this for me out of paracord. So that's kind of a, a custom made thing that I use. Um, and then otherwise I just use like a six inch um, triumph scraper, but I've, I've, because those steel blades are so expensive, I've started kind of, and also they can scratch the glass if you're not careful. Um, I've started using steel wool this past year as well, which I never worked with before this year. So those are kind of my, my tools. Tools of the trade. All right, cool. You do something very neat. Uh, a lot of people, uh, especially in the Midwest, we're cold weather states. I'm in the Midwest too. And uh, so especially residential window cleaning comes to pretty much a screeching halt uh, at some point uh, in the winter months. And a lot of companies scramble around, and I did for years too. And I had my company. What are we going to do in the winter? What are, you know? How can we increase revenues? And you got like a totally different mentality. You're like, you know what? I'm done. Check out. Bye. I'm headed to Thailand. <laughs> how did that come about? How do you? How do you? I mean, obviously, you've been going over there for some time now. But initially, how did how did Thailand? Why was it Thailand that come up? Um, in 2002, I went to Thailand for the first time as a contract English teacher. Um, so I got a job at a Thai university teaching Thai students, um, Thai English majors mostly. Um, I would teach somewhat like in, uh, like the hotel industry and the, um, I think I did some classes for like some nurses and just, just adults in Thailand, I would do like different um, groups of classes, but mostly I worked at a Thai university um, and I worked for that one year. And then I knew I wanted to go back, but I came home and I got married and I did all that stuff. And then um, that all fell apart. And then I went back in 2009 for another three years, um, same, same school. So I have this little town in Thailand that I have like, a life in, you know? So, yeah. and, you know, I have my Thai friends there and I have a, a Thai family that I stay with and, um, it just became gradually just became like part of my lifestyle. And so now, um, I find that it's the perfect, um, match to my industry or my, my business because I, you know, things come, like you said, things come to a screeching halt in like December. Yeah. And, I, you know, I may, I try to do what I can to make ends meet until I leave. And that's just basically like dog walking, house cleaning, babysitting, um, <clears throat> dog sitting. And 
I just kind of stack my money when I'm making it and I don't spend it. And then I live off of it during the winter when I go over there and I don't work when I'm over there too much. I mean, I, I worked a little bit last year, but window cleaning in Thailand is not the same. Right. It's not, it's not what it is here. <laughs> right. So yeah, it just sort of, it worked with, um, with the business that I got into. It worked really well for me to just take off in the winter and not, not stress about it, but yeah. it takes a when to ration out your money that way, you know, it took me, it's, I'm still learning how to do that. I'm still learning how to, um, you know, stockpile my cash when I'm making it in October and May and whatever my busiest months. And then, and then I got to kind of make it last until April till I start working again. Yeah. I think it's really neat because, you know, so many people are, are chasing after, you know, something, whatever it is, it's a bigger business or more money or whatever. And you're right. It is a little bit of a challenge to, you know, stack your dollars and save up or what, but you're really using your business to kind of do something that you want to do. And, and it funds that it's, it's almost like a, um, a means to another end, right? You're, you're using it to, to, to do things that you like. And I just think that's really neat. I think it's again, very different. Uh, not what a, a lot of people do. They're trying to, you know, uh, chase a bigger business or something like that. But, uh, you, uh, that way, I mean, I feel, I really feel strongly about this. Like we spend so much of our waking hours working. And so the first thing that I feel strongly about is that you should enjoy what you do. Like I, I just, it boggles my mind that so many people spend their lives doing something they hate, um, for money that has never made sense to me. So, so it's really important to me to enjoy whatever I'm doing. Like I refuse to make money doing something I don't like mm -hmm. that I established a long time ago. And, and then the second thing is like, I mean, okay. A disclaimer is I don't have a family to support. I'm not married. It's, it's just basically me. Um, and so I ha I do have the luxury of like choosing my lifestyle and doing whatever the heck I want, whenever the hell I want, you know, and that's, that's amazing. Like I realize that's a blessing and it's not something that everybody has. Um, but yeah, it's really important to me to like, to, to like live my life and, you know, spend my time. Um, and while I'm healthy and young and strong and capable and stuff to spend my time doing the things that I love to do, because I don't really, I don't really see the point in slaving away at something that, you know, that you hate and then spending all your time doing that just for money. That doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't fit with my values. Um, but I know a lot of people feel that way. And we've, I think as a society, we've all kind of been conditioned to feel like it has to be that way. And I'm just, I'm totally not, not supporting that. <laughs> so my, I'm supporting like doing what you love, um, staying healthy, self-care, all the things that, you know, make life amazing. Yeah. Well, you truly, you truly own your business. Uh, you don't, you're not a, you're not a slave to it. And that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Carrie, we really appreciate you being on everybody at what's that. Sometimes I feel like I'm a slave to it. Just like everybody does. Like, you know, sometimes I'm just like, ah, can't handle the stress, but you know, it's only a few months out of the year that I feel like that. And honestly, I feel like it's worth it because then I have, you know, two or three months in the winter to just sit in a hammock and read. There you go. Carrie, we really appreciate uh, you taking some time today to sit down and talk with us. If you haven't read any of her articles yet, we featured her on the cover of AWC Magazine in our current issue. Uh, please check it out. But also, she's a regular contributor in the article Window Ninja 
and uh, check her out uh, more often and uh, make sure you enjoy her stuff. Carrie, thank you so much. A pleasure always. And uh, we look forward to uh, talking to you again sometime. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please uh, feel free to subscribe and also leave a review. And you can read us anytime at awcmag.com. Thank you.